around here, but uh, if you don't mind marking in your Bible, I think it would probably be helpful to you if you did. Uh, that, but also, if you don't have a Bible, and, and I'll just tell you that, you know, of course, we, if you're newer here, we, you know, we're using the King James Bible. There's some, there, there are Bibles in the pews, and uh, you'll be able to follow along exactly. Reads, uh, should read the same as what I got here. Uh, but Matthew chapter 19, verse 1, it says, It came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. A great multitude followed him, and he healed them there. And the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning, made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they, shall, uh, they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. Uh, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement, and to put her away? And he saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except to be for fornication, uh, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you bless here tonight. Lord Jesus, I, I truly need you to move into this room. Spirit of God, I need you to guide my mind, give me clarity in all we do. Father, I ask you to please just to, to fill me with your spirit. And, and Holy Spirit of God, more so maybe than, than many times, I, I, I need you right now uh, to, to work and wrap, wrap your arms around us as a hedge of protection. I need Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind Satan from this room and, and any uh, that, uh, spirit that might try to snatch away the truth or to bring confusion to what I'm saying or, or bring confusion to my mind. Lord, I, I need that. And I yield to thee and I ask you, please fill me at this present moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, do this is working, right? Y'all hearing me okay out there? All right. Uh, I think it just sounds a little different. It might be the monitors maybe are not working as much right now, uh, and that makes a little bit of difference. Uh, what I want you to do now is I want you to go, I'm going to go to several passages. So go to uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. The, uh, it's amazing. In this same book, it's going to be uh, uh, repeating in, in much the same way. It'll be slightly different word uh, verbiage here, but... But uh, it's going to be repeated. Uh, verse 31, Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. says, It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Now I want you to look at Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, <clears throat> in verse 1, and we're going to read quite a few verses here also, but they're not long verses, but Mark chapter 10, verse 1, says, He arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan, and the people resort unto him again, 
And as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Tempting him. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. And so then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples ask him again of the same matter. And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a man shall put away her, her hus, uh, if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Now, finally, look at Luke chapter sixteen. Luke chapter sixteen. Look at verse fifteen. Again, we're going to take our time. We're going to uh, look at the verses because we're going to go back to them and and we're going to look at particular things in those verses that uh, I think that normally we don't see as we as we just kind of read through them uh, you know as we read them almost as a conversation we hear it but um, you know one of the things that and I mentioned this to Brother Hopper yesterday when we were talking about some of his teaching and and things uh, what I what I love and what I believe God uh, has allowed me to do is to is to look at scripture and, and yes, I want, to, I want to have a conversation with God, but then I want to go back and I look at it as, as evidence and testimony. And you often, you have to look at exactly what did somebody say. Specifically, what did they say and how did they say it? So look at verse 16. It says, uh, verse 15, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, ye are, uh, ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her uh, husband uh, committeth adultery. Now, in, in, you know, when, you, when you read these, um, now it's going to sound pretty, pretty serious and pretty uh, d- direct, and, and seemingly uh, it's going to say one thing, but I, I believe uh, that we're going to find something else. As, as we search for truth in this matter of divorce, we've got to deal with some difficult passages, and they, these are some of those passages. And what I'm going to say here over the next few minutes, I'll be honest with you, when we get to a conclusion, I'm not going to look at you and say I'm 100% certain that, and absolute that I, I am exactly right about the conclusion that, that I'm going to come to here. Uh, the truth is, there are some passages of Scripture, and there are some issues that I don't think anybody can be 100%. But, I, but what I want to do is I want to look scripturally and prayerfully, I, and that's what I've done. I've got to look scripturally and prayerfully at these things, and I want to present some facts to consider. And so first thing we're going to do is lay a little foundation for facts to consider. So 
out of what we just read and uh, some other things. But number one, uh, Moses permitted or gave permission for divorce. He, Moses was allowed by God to write, a, you know, to give them uh, a writ of divorcement. And so he, Moses allowed that. Moses gave permission for that. Number two, Jesus said, what God hath joined together, uh, man should not separate or put asunder. Now, uh, in those two things, I want you, they sound like a contradiction, but I want, I want you to, to know that I do not believe that there are any contradictions in the Word of God, and I don't believe there's a contradiction here. Now, number three, Jesus makes clear that it was not the divine intent of God that any marriage would end in divorce. I believe it's very clear that Jesus makes it very clear that it's not the divine intent of God that any marriage would end in divorce. Number four, in Matthew, Jesus specifically mentions twice, except it be for fornication. Now, as I said, you need a pen. You know, if you, when we go back to these verses, I think it'd be good to, to underline those, and we're going to talk about that more in just a minute. Number five, Mark and Luke do not mention fornication. When, we, when, they, when that's listed, Mark and Luke, don't, they don't mention except for fornication. Mark does say in verse 2, number 6, Mark does say in verse 2 that the Pharisees came to him and asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife in tempting him? Now, uh, when we looked at Matthew, Matthew said for, uh, for every cause. And so it's very clear, and we talked about this morning, for every cause, they're saying, uh, you know, for anything. You know, can we just, you know, hey, look, uh, Jesus, can we put away our, our wives for anything? For any reason, can we do that? You know, and they're saying Moses said we could, which he did not. And he said, but, you know, can we do it for any reason? We hear in Mark, what they do is they don't say it that way. They don't say for any reason. But the Pharisees came to him and asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? <coughs> Here's what I want you to understand. That was an open-ended question. Is it lawful? Period. They were asking him to tempt him or catch him in error. You see, they were trying to get him to make an answer because if he says yes, because Moses said, well, then you can plug in anything there. She spilled water on me so I can divorce her. Anything. And so it's an open-ended kind of question. And, and the fact is, it does not say for every cause, but since it does not say for a specific cause, that would imply every cause. Does that make sense to you? And so if, answered, if he answered in the affirmative, if anybody answered in the affirmative, it would mean every cause because it's, it's open-ended. And so if you answer, you answer the question at all, Yes or no, you are answering a question to everything. Anything that they want to plug in there. And so, number seven. In Luke we read, verse 15, and I know it's hard for you to go back and forth here, and, and I'm probably going still too fast. Jobez said, you need to go slow. Okay? Uh, verse 15. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. Now, since it seems now that this statement about divorce uh, in this passage, 
uh, in verse 15, in, in uh, Luke, well, I'll go back to Luke and I'll read it for you. It says, And he said unto them, You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination of the sight of God. The law and the prophets unto John, since the time of the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it, and it is easier <coughs> uh, for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another, committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her which is put away from her husband committeth adultery. You see, when we get down to this, this number seven, all of a sudden, after they go through all these kind of different statements, then all of a sudden we, we talk about marriage and divorce. And it seems to almost come out of nowhere, but here's what we can assume. It was a topic, if Jesus is mentioning this seemingly out of nowhere, it must have been a topic of conversation right now. It must have been something that was an issue right now. Uh, and because they sought to justify themselves, it again would imply that they were choosing or desiring to put away for every cause. You see... Uh, you have to look at what's really being said in the whole context. And, and they are clearly, they're trying to justify themselves. And what are they justifying themselves about? Well, Jesus is about to nail him about divorce. And he's saying, hey, you put away your wife for every cause. That's adultery. It comes out of nowhere, but it's not really out of nowhere. It's something that's taking place. Does that make sense to you? All right. Now, number eight, Matthew demonstrates that the clarifying statement in both passages is, what, is whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now, what I'd like you to do, go back to, uh, to Matthew now, Matthew uh, chapter, you can go to chapter 5 if you want to, chapter 5, verse 31 and 32, be fine. Uh, or you can go to Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. Either one of those will be fine for you. Uh, what I want you to do is we look at this, and, and forgive me when I say this, but, but I think the best way to understand this is realize that what Jesus is really talking about, you can sort of underline except it be for fornication. Now, if you pull that little phrase out and said, whosoever shall put away his wife and shall marry another committeth adultery. You see, that, that except it be for fornication, Jesus right now, the whole issue of adultery and putting away the wife, he's saying it all changes when fornication enters in. He says, except to be for adultery. Now, if you take that, that verse, you just kind of take it out, and you read the verse, which you find out that if somebody puts away their wife, or if somebody leaves their husband, puts away their husband, then it's going to, and they go and, and they're with somebody else, marry somebody else, it's adultery. What the clarifying phrase in there, the, the, what makes us understand that there's something different here is it except to be for fornication. If you pulled out except to be for fornication, it would read as many read it and would give stronger credence to the different interpretation of Mark and Luke. But Jesus emphasized the phrase for clarity. If you put away and there has been no fornication, and either marries another, they commit adultery. Do you understand why? 
Uh, okay, I, I, I was trying my best to try to figure out how to illustrate this, and I didn't want to use anybody for this because we're, so I'm going to use my wife, okay? So come here, Jobeth. And uh, Brooke, you didn't know this, but I'm going to use you in your blueberry dress. And so, what do you say that they would call that? Mrs. Hopper calls it a what? Teapot dress. I can't believe she would criticize you. Like, all right, now look. Here's what it, it don't walk away from me. Then, now look, we're married. Did y'all know that? Okay. Now, if we separate, there's been nothing gone on. There's been no adultery. There's been no fornication, is actually the term. There's been no fornication. But we decide we don't want to be together anymore. So we separate. When I, if I go and I go to another woman at this time and I marry her, now I'm in fornication. Now, the simple reason is, is because we're still together. It doesn't matter if you get a piece of paper or the state or anybody else says that you're divorced. In the sight of God, you're still one. And so until... And this is what the Lord's saying. He's saying, if you do that, then you go to someone else. Now you have committed adultery. And the reason he says, except there be adultery, okay, is it, okay, if adultery takes place and we separate, I'm not, okay, I'm not committing adultery. I'm already committed adultery. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> this is a bad illustration here. So the Lord is, is making it very, very clear, and that phrase is very important, that, that the adultery takes place when we commit the adultery, and even though we may be divorced in the sight of God, we are not. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, if you put away, and there has been no fornication either, in either marriage or another, they commit adultery. Understand that when the phrase applies, adultery has already been committed. So if adultery has already been committed, why are we even talking about you're going to be in adultery? You're already in adultery. When there has been no adultery, both parties are then committing adultery when they join with someone else. Okay, y'all can go ahead and be seated. I don't think I'll use it anymore, but... When fornication is entered, the joining has been violated. Until it is violated, the best terminology is still in force. I think that's the best terminology I can use. Until there's been a violation, an adulteration of the joining of these two, it's still in force. Now, there's still one flesh. When another comes in and the adultery has been committed, the union has been adulterated. And so when somebody comes into this, these two that are a union, but one has now been ripped and ripping this fabric apart and trying to bring a third, so to speak, into this, now you've adulterated this whole situation. Uh, hopefully I'll make it clear, more clear in just a second. Since clearly the implication in Mark and Luke includes all things, not just fornication. You see, 
then it is also clear that the statement must be made that if you divorce for any cause, this would put you in adultery once you went to another where adultery was not the cause of leaving. And I know that kind of rambles on, but in Mark and Luke, it doesn't say except there be a fornication, but that's the, the whole implication, the whole reading of the, of the passage, as we're already trying to talk about, is, is the fact that that's what they're tempting him about. They're trying to tempt him and, and get to Jesus about, can't we have divorce for anything? So uh, even though it's not specifically said in there, what they're talking about, uh, they're talking about a divorce for every reason, any reason in Mark and Luke. So when they say that to go to another uh, is, to, is to commit adultery, that's because they're saying for any cause. I didn't like the way she looked. I didn't like the way she cooked. So I'm, I'm leaving or I'm sending her away. Okay, you go get someone else and you've just committed adultery. Number 10, here's what Moses said in giving the, the writing of divorcement. Deuteronomy, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 24. Deuteronomy chapter 24. Get all the way back there. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. All right. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes... Now, because he hath found some uncleanness in her. You know, they acted like that Moses said, you can just do it for whatever reason. That's not what he said. Because he hath found some uncleanness in her. Then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it into her hand and send her out of, her, out of his house. Look at verse 2. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. Moses uses the term uncleanness. Now, by definition, it's nakedness, nudity, shame, uh, implying shameful exposure, nakedness of, of all kinds of forms and, and, and sexual forms, uh, indecency and proper behavior. That includes a whole lot of things. The truth is nakedness is a closer word to fornication than adultery is. Adultery is one act between, two, between married people. Fornication is all kinds of sexual acts and can be between married or unmarried. And that's why the term fornication is used. And it's very similar to the, the meaning of this word uncleanness. Now, number one, notice a very important statement made by the man who God spoke face to face with and gave him the law of God. He said in verse 2, and when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. Now, I don't understand all the ramifications there. I'm just telling you that's what Moses told them. And what the unique part about it is, is that we're not talking about the innocent one here. This is the one who has been put away because of uncleanness. In God's law, you can only be divorced when fornication or adultery has been committed. There's an, that's an absolute. 
Uh, Old Testament, they called it uncleanness, and fornication is um, all kinds of sexual sins. Jesus made it, really emphasized it, and clarified it. But in God's law, you can only be divorced. It's not like God's for it. He just allows it. You can only be divorced when fornication slash adultery has been committed. If it has not been committed, they are spiritually still married, still one, in the sight of God. You see, uh, if I can use this illustration, I need to be careful. This is on um, live stream. Maybe I shouldn't. Um, I started to use the illustration, but but I know of of uh, someone that that was uh, married, and I think both of them probably were not saved at the time. Don't know all the details, but one left the other, and went in, and and I don't know all the life it went on, but it went on for several years. But then one that one that went away got saved, came back. Maybe they both got saved. I really don't know all the details on it. But they came back and remarried. Neither one of them had married again. Neither one of them had gone. And they came back and remarried. Now, that's kind of what, what God's trying to teach us here is that if you leave and there's been no fornication, number one, you shouldn't. Because the only reason for divorce is because of fornication. But if you do, you better not marry. Because if you do, that's adultery. Now, I've tried to give scriptural grounds for this, and, 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 I, and I believe and I hope I'm making sense. The, 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 the fact is, is that the whole issue is when he says, except there be uh, uh, fornication, that's, that's that qualifier in there where he's saying, I'm talking about all other things here. If you leave or separate for any other reason except fornication and you go to someone else, now you're going to be committing adultery because you hadn't until now. And so uh, God's making it real clear that I believe that, that, that the adultery starts because you went to someone else, because it hadn't happened now. And they said, if it's already happened, we got a different situation. Now, as I said, I've tried to give scriptural grounds. I've tried to lay this out, and I can't be 100%, but I can tell you this. Everything that lays out there, it sure seems to me I think that, that the evidence is to me that the question comes, can you, if you've been divorced, can you remarry? Well, I believe that according to what we've just read, that yes, if the qualifications are there. If there's been fornication. If that's the reason for the divorce in the first place. Now, I can't be 100% sure that I'm right about this. I must take what information I have and use it the best that I can to help hurting people. So I'm going to give you a little bit more here. If a young person, so I'm going to shift gears here, and I'm going to try to, to explain to you uh, sort of the way I counsel, and you may understand the why I do what I do. First of all, if I could clearly see 100% sure that, that they should never marry again, that's what I'd be preaching and teaching. I don't see it there. I don't... I, 
I just don't. I say it's a greater probability that what I've just told you tonight is right. Now, but I want you to think about this. If a young person ends up in divorce because of fornication, I've got basically three options of counsel that I can give them. One, I can advise them to stay single until their, until their former spouse marries, thus negating any possibility of reuniting. And that's the advice that I will give. I will say to them, I'm going to beg you, don't get into a relationship. Don't try to, don't, don't uh, get, get married until that person who is now, who's hurt you, has left you, until they marry. And why would I say that? Now, I'm not, I'm not God. I can't make you do this. I can't make them do that. I, and I, can, I don't even have to live their life. But I'm going to just say, try to go as far as you possibly can, go as long as you can, because there's always that possibility, like the illustration I gave you, they may get saved and come back. They may get their life right and come back. And, and look, if you waited and you waited, you know, two, three, four, five, ten years, you waited, but they come back, well, what rejoicing that would be if, if now it was melted, the, the relationship was back together. Number two, I can advise them uh, that if the other person is living with or married to someone else, to stay single for the rest of their life. I can look at them and say, look, that other person is with someone else. They've gone. You're divorced. You need to stay single the rest of your life because they're not an option anymore. And according to Scripture, even if they were to leave the person they're with and come back to them, according to Scripture, you shouldn't remarry. But I'm not, you know, I can tell them just that's what you got to do. That's, you know, best I can tell you, stay single the rest of your life. Or number three, I can advise them to walk with God, seek God, and allow God to bring someone else into their life if that is his will. Now, the first counsel, I believe, is always best. Stay single, wait for that person, see if God touches their heart, see if God changes their heart, see if God brings them back. The second sounds wonderful for all of us who are married and don't have to live it. And the reality is that I may be, here's, here's what I have to deal with. I have to realize and I have to live with the reality that I may be pu pushing them into fornication. The probability of someone, especially a young person, staying pure in this world is minimal. So when I look at them and I say, you're 25 years old, you've been divorced now, you just can't ever be married again. You've got to stay single the rest of your life. What I've just told them is I probably, you can't delegate spirituality. And what I just did is I just said to them, there's a high probability you're going to end up messing up your life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, if you want to look there, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 8. I'll give you time if you want to look there. Now, I want you to understand again, this, this counsel, I'm giving you what I call reason and discretion in my counsel. Now, 
if I saw and believed 100% sure that that's what you're supposed to do, stay single the rest of your life, then that's what I would counsel them because I can't go against Scripture. I'm not giving you what I want, but I'm telling you this, when I can't look at something 100% and say, uh, I know for a fact this is what God is teaching, and, and I believe there's greater evidence that it's the other way, uh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't put that pressure on somebody because I think that's what it says. I see, in First uh, Corinthians chapter seven verse eight, it says, "I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn." Now I understand that Paul didn't wasn't speaking specifically to divorce here, but you know, so often uh, this is their situation. Uh, it'd be better to marry than to burn. Now, understand also uh, that I'm not negating verses 10 and 11 of that same passage. You look at verse 10 and 11, it says, Unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. Notice the counsel I give. Stay unmarried and be reconciled if it can be worked out. And let not the husband put away his wife. Now, you look at that and say, okay, God said right there, uh, you know, that you should remain unmarried. Look, again, folks, it does not clarify for what reason they were put away. So if it doesn't clarify for what reason they were put away, that means it's any reason. Hello? Does that? Have I lost everybody? So that's why we've got to look at this and understand what's really being said. If it doesn't clarify what reason, then that means it can be any reason. And if it's just any reason, that means it could be a reason that's not fornication, and therefore they should not marry somebody else. You know, in Ghana, Mike and I were talking about, but in Ghana, a man has to pay for his wife. Every time I go over there, I think, I had six daughters. What's the deal here? I mean, why didn't they have that in America? In America, the man has to pay to get rid of her. You got to pay for all the wedding, pay for everything. Over there, they got to pay me. I mean, I thought I should have hauled them all over here and sold them. But in Ghana, you got to pay. The man has to pay the family to marry his wife. But here's what's happened in that society. They're poor. They can't afford it. So you say, well, wow, what do they do? They live together. They lived together for 10, 15, 20 years. Was that one couple that finally got married? Had how many kids they have? Nine kids. Been married for 20 been together for 20 years. But they couldn't marry because they couldn't afford it. That ritual, that policy, whatever, that has pushed those people into sin and adultery or fornication. You see, that's what I'm afraid that, that I would do. If I looked at somebody and said, sorry, they left you, they walked away from you, but you've been divorced. You can't ever marry again.
Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to say that if there's not fornication. I'm going to look at him and say, if there's not fornication, that means he's not married yet or she's not married yet. You need to hang on until there's, because there's always a possibility that this thing could be made right. But when the fornication, the adultery is already there, you're not held by that. This is what I fear will happen, and the same thing that happens in Ghana, I fear will happen in a society where 50% plus divorce. What do you think is going to happen if we as a church look at them and say, none of you people, even they walk in here and they get saved. They've been through a rough life, and they, and they come in here, they were lost, knew nothing, they get saved. But I look at them now at 20 years old. They're already divorced. You can never marry again, son. What do you think I'm doing to them? You see, either they're going to marry and get out of church because they have been told now that they're in sin, no matter what they do, so they might as well give it up. Or they're going to live in sin. I believe it's enough evidence here that, that that's not what God is teaching at all. So I lean to number three. I advise them to walk with God, seek God, and allow God to bring someone else into their life if that is His will. But I beg them, please seek God this time. Use wisdom, get counsel, move slowly. And that's only if there's already been fornication. I do this for their sake, but I also do it because I believe I have greater evidence that this is the right procedure than I do in telling them never to marry again. I don't have an absolute. I wish I could tell you that I have an absolute, that I'm, I'm the man of all knowledge. But what I believe is if you look through the scriptures as we just did, and I don't know if I explained it well, but if you look through the scriptures, I believe what you'll see is it's, to me, it's very clear. That if there's been no fornication, to marry anyone else, you would be in adultery. But when there's been fornication, when there's been adultery, then the relationship has already been adulterated already. And now you're allowed to marry again because you're already in a, a butchered, so to speak. Two flesh has already started being ripped apart. So, I'm not sure, Jobeth, did it, was it clear? I hope it was. I, I really battle over this. I didn't want to do it at all, but at the same time, this is where we are in our society, and this is the question that many people have. And I counsel people, and I'll be honest with you, I'm marrying people at times, and a lot of people won't even do that. They'll say, no, I won't do that. But I... 
I've got to go with what I believe I, I believe the Lord is teaching. And until I see concretely, and I'm not telling you that I'm not one day going to come up to something different, but I believe from what I see in the Scripture, I believe this is the right procedure for people's lives. And I believe that's why Jesus made it clear, except there be fornication. Now we've got a whole different ballgame whole different situation i hope that makes sense i i don't even know to give an invitation here tonight i mean uh i just i pray maybe that'll help somebody if you still got questions about it uh, i'd be glad to talk to you and confuse you more Um, but i just felt like that'll answer some questions and it's a place where we need to know what we believe about this or people will walk around in confusion and every time we start helping 